0: The Joy of Giving. I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the fundraising school. And I'm joined today by my colleague, Dr. Sarah Conrad. Sarah is sought out nationally and internationally for her remarkable research and teaching abilities, connecting the world of psychology with philanthropic behavior, including on this topic of the joy associated with giving. And that's the topic of the chapter that Sarah's contributed to achieving excellence in fundraising. The fifth edition that came out in 2022, chapter five, The Joy of Giving. And Sarah, welcome back to the Fundraising Schools podcast.
1: Thanks for having me again, Bill.
0: You know, one of the things you you start off the chapter with is this whole concept isn't new. In fact, it goes back centuries and millennia throughout human civilization that it is better to give than it is to receive. And it Sounds like the science has caught up with that. Can, can you help us uh, understand that, please?
1: Yeah, well, the concept is actually older than science itself, right? So this is a common belief in many religions and philosophical traditions that go back as long as we have written history. And I'm sure even before that, there were people still felt this way. I, I feel like the joy of giving, or the, that the, the, that's actually more of a need, like giving is a need that we have as humans. And um, it makes us feel good because it just fulfills that need.
0: And we go back to the beginning of the fundraising school, 1974, Henry Rosso's definition of fundraising, which we still use today, the gentle art of teaching, the joy of giving. And Sarah, if I could ask you to expand on that a little bit, that we need to be philanthropically active. It almost sounds like this is something we can't not do as people.
1: Well, I think it's something that if we don't do, we don't feel good. So we often talk about the joy of giving, but flip it on its head, if you're not giving, you're not feeling that joy necessarily. And so when I see things like in the chapter, I review topics like what happens to our physical body when we give. And one of the things that happens is these these brain systems, these reward systems that that are activated, say when we eat or we experience other biological rewards, actually those systems are also activated when we give. So that's what makes me think it's more of a human need to give and that not giving means there's something wrong with us that we 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 are not expressing or having that need fulfilled.
0: And this really opens the doorway to your, you know, area of expertise that you then expand across so many boundaries and that's psychology. Can you help us understand the psychological benefits from philanthropic behaviors including charitable giving?
1: Yeah, so just to define what kind of giving we're talking about in this chapter, we're looking at charitable giving volunteering for nonprofits, but also just everyday acts of kindness to friends and family or strangers that you might see in your everyday life, like letting someone ahead of you in the line. So all these different types of giving psychologists have been studying, and I reviewed over 200 studies for this chapter, so you don't have to, you can just read the one. And so don't worry, it's it's summarized for you. But just to say that we have been studying this for a long time, and we have found now some consistent effects that when people give in a variety of ways whether it's money or time or helping that they they feel good it makes them feel good that that feeling lasts for a long time um that feeling helps to protect us from the stresses in our life so of course it's not magic it doesn't make all the bad things go away in our life but it helps us to cope with those things in, a, in an easier way
0: sarah when we talk about it feeling good can this develop into a habit i think about You know, what I've read in the popular press about, you know, if I have a hobby and it makes me feel good, you know, my desire is to do that hobby more often. And of course, we also know in the addiction world, it can be some negative behaviors, right, Mm -hmm. that can help us feel good and we develop some bad habits. But in this positive sense, this psychological benefit, is it that same type of a thing that I'm feeling good and it kind of builds momentum in my life and becomes a habit?
1: Yeah, it can be. I think that's the ideal situation, that it's just a habit that's ingrained in your life in many ways. And that's why it's important to look at all the different types of giving, right? So I think that there's like this constellation, we all have a constellation of ways we give, giving to nonprofits and our time and our money, uh, giving to our family members and friends and people in the community, and just being attuned and aware of our giving habits will reinforce our feelings in fact one of the things that i thought was interesting when i was researching this chapter was that um, just sitting there and savoring remembering the times that you gave that actually also makes you feel good so it's kind of like it's this naturally reinforcing cycle and obviously this chapter is about the joy of giving for givers, but of course you're giving to other people and you're giving them joy as well
0: and Sarah, also, it's fascinating to see in the world of psychology and psychiatry that uh, some of our colleagues are prescribing philanthropic activity as part of a mental health solution. There still could be counseling. There still could be you know meds that are prescribed, but this is an emerging field, right? In fact, I, I understand from you that there's, there's a whole category, a newsletter out, a, a group of folks who are spending a lot of time on this. Can you help our audience understand that aspect? of what our medical professionals are seeing in terms of the psychological benefits of philanthropic behavior, including charitable giving.
1: Well, this is an emerging area and it's called social prescribing. And there are some people, some doctors that are now doing this. Um, And that's partly because especially with volunteering behavior, we have a lot of information now available to see how many benefits it has for physical and mental health. In fact, there's studies now showing that volunteering is as good for you as eating healthy and exercising in terms of the benefits for your physical health. So doctors are starting to ask those questions and make suggestions to their patients. Um, I think this is especially good for older adults, right? Especially when their roles change, it, Change maybe they're not, maybe their kids are out of their home, they're um, starting to retire and they need something in their life that's positive and connecting. And so this is something that's happening. I'm really excited by that now, obviously, we still, we need to still see the benefits of this. We still need to actually have a little more science on it. But, but I'm confident that um, for now, like if, if what we know about e- eating fruits and vegetables, I think it's, it's not going to, it's going to do more helping than harm to, to actually get out there and volunteer.
0: And we also then talk about the social benefits. And I know that's a, related to the psychological benefits. What are some of these social benefits that the giver receives for philanthropic behaviors, including charitable giving?
1: Uh, Socially, I think it just embeds you in your community. So giving money, right, to a nonprofit, that's now you have a a connection with this nonprofit and probably you were giving for a reason already that was social. And volunteering, you're often meeting people as you're doing these volunteer tasks, and you're feeling part of your local community. Um, So there is a lot of research examining what happens. Um, There's some really good experimental work um, looking at young people, following them over time and finding that they become more popular actually. So it's not like the mean girls thing. It's not that the mean girls are popular. It's like actually the sweet kind young people are the ones who are making friends and, and people wanna be around them.
0: You mentioned our younger generations. This does span all generations, doesn't it? I mean, even in this short conversation you've talked about our seasoned citizens and folks kind of in later stages of life, you've talked about teenagers. Uh, it sounds like it spans the generations. Am I correct in that?
1: Yes, exactly. There's actually research on, I've looked at this carefully because I think it's important. We've looked at research on uh, little kids, even little kids even when they're giving, they feel joy. You can see it in their faces and following to teenagers are also feeling that way. Um, people, uh, middle-aged people, older adults. There's most studies are finding that that people can feel this joy of giving um, regardless of their age, but there there is some evidence that as we get older, we start to feel the joy of giving more. And we don't really know why, but I think maybe our motivations for giving change, or maybe it's more meaningful because um, it's a bigger part of our life.
0: And so we really see those impacts over time, uh, starting from the earliest days that we're in yeah. this world, uh, throughout uh, different seasons of our lives. You know, Sarah, we take, as you know, great pride at the fundraising school embedded within the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. Uh, certainly, being headquartered in the United States, but working across the world with you know students and participants and partners internationally. And, and you so well in this chapter describe we need to be careful that we don't view this only in a United States or Western context. Could you amplify that, please?
1: Yeah, I do want to say that a lot of the research has been focused in a Western context, but there are, have been some good researchers out there who are looking at this internationally, which is very important because we don't want to just make assumptions about people all over the world. And what we find and what those researchers find is that, you know, people all over the world are feeling joy when they're giving. And there's, you know, a huge amount of variety in the countries the world whether it's politically or culturally or languages, many many differences but one human universal is that it feels good to give.
0: And therefore we need to give it. Again it's almost something we can't not do. And Sarah as I ask you for kind of a final word of advice for fundraisers when I teach and when I cite your your wonderful research, I, I always share if anybody's hesitant about fundraising, first of all I just enjoy fundraising and helping connect people to good causes but also I feel like I'm doing them a favor. And I'm doing them a favor because of all that you're talking about here today, uh, you know that they're going to experience that joy of giving. What final advice would you have for fundraisers as they apply your research and know these benefits of philanthropic behaviors to uh, experience the joy of giving?
1: I think that, they, that think, considering their job is actually about giving. So I think just reconstruing the, the job, it's, it's about giving p- people an opportunity to find the thing that is meaningful for them, and share that with the world. That's what giving is about. It's about sharing what we have and finding meaning and fundraisers are facilitators for that process.
0: Dr. Sarah Conrath's research is pathbreaking. It is receiving recognition across the United States and across the world on many different topics associated with psychology and philanthropic behavior, including this area of the joy of giving. And Sarah lays that out. In chapter five, the joy of giving, in Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, the fifth edition that came out in 2022. You can find out more about that textbook on our website at philanthropy.ipui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. That's also where you are going to find out about our public courses that are available in person as well as online. And when we're online, they can be recorded, they can be live, whatever works best for you. And of course, being online, that helps us even more to reach our international students in participants. We have custom training. We can design courses specifically for you, and we especially enjoy when Sarah is able to teach for us in those custom training formats. We have quarterly webinars and these free weekly podcasts. Again, that website, philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. Thanks to my colleague, Dr. Sarah Conrad, for joining us today. Our producers are Jennifer Bauffman and Mike Anthony. I'm Bill Cabbage, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school.